I love seeing all y'all sweet faces out there. Um, my name is Millie Hale, and they're going to put up a picture of my sweet family. Um, that's my husband, Blaine. We've been married, uh, this will be 30 years in November. Uh, Sally is 26, almost 27. She is a counselor at Sparrow House, graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, my son, Blaine, is 20, and he graduated from OU in the, in the last spring or last May, um, and he is pursuing professional golf. And then Gracie is at A&M, and she's 20. And I think the greatest gift, I don't know why, but every time I speak, it's always in March, and it's always right around my birthday. And so this week I had a birthday, and probably the greatest gift... Um, and so y'all, excuse me, my, my youngest daughter told me if I ever cry on stage that it's okay, that that's just a, that's our heart. And so probably my greatest gift is that my girls um, came today to hear me speak. And Gracie was so excited and so was Sally. And so it's a blessing to have them in the house. Because I will tell you, this message that is laid upon my heart is not really just for young moms. It's for every woman in the room, if you have kids or don't have kids. And so this is something that I'm super passionate about. When they ask me about sticky situations, I'm going to be real honest. I didn't really know that what, what that was. I'm a dental hygienist, so I thought, okay, I like to clean things. And so I really wasn't sure. But sticky situations, I Google imaged it, and I found this lady with all these sticky notes. And these were sticky situations in her workplace. And guys, I want to remind y'all, if you're a stay-at-home mom, this is your workplace, is our homes. And we run into a lot of sticky situations. When you came in, you got a sticky note. And I hope, um, as you pray through, as we're going through, and if you, a sticky situation comes to your mind, we're going to have an opportunity to write it down. So a wise woman builds her house. I didn't even put the address on that. It's Proverbs 14.1. I really see that verse, guys, as a wise woman. We are women that are holding our house right here. A wise woman builds her house. So we are going to prayerfully consider these things. And I came up with all P words, and it would be so... Um, I, I really could have just stuck prayer as one of the bullet points. But guys, prayer is so much more important than a bullet point. I put prayerfully consider because consider is our theme this year. So I thought prayer and fully, we have to pray over everything. So I want to read y'all. I put as a reference on the bottom of your page this book. And a couple months ago, Todd talked about J.C. Ryle and the thoughts of a young man. Well, when I went to Amazon to buy that, it said people that purchase that also purchase this. And I'm telling you, I love it because I don't need my readers. It is the biggest print ever. But it's a thing that we're teaching our kids. And one of the things is a habit of prayer. So it says prayer is one great secret of spiritual prosperity. When there is much private communion with God, your soul will grow like the grass after rain. When there is little, all will be at a standstill. You will barely keep your soul alive. Show me a growing Christian, a going forward Christian, a strong Christian, a flourishing Christian, and sure am I, he is one that speaks often with his Lord. He asks much and he has much. He tells Jesus everything and so he always knows how to act. Prayer is the mightiest engine God has placed in our hands. It's the best weapon to use in every difficulty and the surest remedy in every trouble. 
It is the key that unlocks the treasury of promises and the hand that draws forth grace and help in time of need. It is the silver trumpet God commands us to sound in all our necessity, and it is the cry He has promised always to attend to, even as a loving mother to the voice of her child, which we can all, most of us can all resonate with that statement. Guys, I'm going to tell you, if you look at this, um, oh, stay on that one for a second. If you look at this, it is on brick and mortar. And when my kids were little, I was talking to a mom one day and she said, oh, what, what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in a while. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm taking two-step lessons. And she said, two-step, you and Blaine? I said, no, me and the Lord. He's teaching me to take two steps back and look at the big picture. And I think when Mandy showed us, you can look at it now, you can move forward. Um, she, when she showed us the cathedral, sometimes, guys, we get so close to the brick and mortar that we don't see what God's trying to do. We're so busy bulldozing that we don't see what he's trying to do. And so one thing I would tell you is that I love this quote by Ann Voskamp. It says, in a world addicted to speed, I blur the moments into one unholy mess. Um, I, I, another verse I'd love for y'all to write down right in this point is Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord re will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Guys, think about that mounting on wings like eagles. An eagle has a pretty good darn view. We need to, our hope needs to be in the Lord. Um, and another thing I said, pausing. And the reason I said pausing and I didn't say stop is because, guys, our best momentum is when we're moving forward. I hope I appeal to you today that it's all about moving forward. You don't want to stop. I remember there was a, when I used to work in the four-year-old class with Blaine at Northwest, but with my uh, son in, when he was four, there was a little boy that spit in my face. And so I wasn't there when his mom and dad came to pick him up. And the girl that I was working with, she said, oh, by the way, Zach spit in Mrs. Hale's face. So I used to say that's kind of like being handed a basketball. And some people, I don't even know how to dribble really, but don't just hand it back. And they handed it back. They said, oh, yeah, we've been having trouble with him about that. Okay, they saw me the next week working in the class. They saw me the next week. They never said, I'm sorry. They never said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, they didn't say one thing. They just handed it back. And so two years later, I was at BSF at Northwest Bible, and I see uh, the leader that I used to, we had already come to Watermark at that time. And I said, oh, my gosh, how are things going? Are you still at Northwest? She goes, yes, and I'm still working in our classroom. She said, the good news is they've split it up so we don't have as many kids. But she said, I still have one troublemaker. I'm like, really, who? She goes, Zach? I'm like, oh, the one that spit in my face. I mean, so guys, we don't want to just stop. We want to pause and assess the situation and do something because that's, like I said, is where our momentum is. Okay, so let's look at the promises of truth. Um, when, so we're going to look at, we've done pausing, we're look at the promises of truth. When I thought about sticky situations, I kind of saw it as an SOS, a waving of the white flag. And waving of the white flag is a universal symbol for you need help. Something's going on and you need help. So I ask myself, where does my help come from? Well, in uh, Psalm 121, 1 and 2, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. So girls, I would love for y'all to see a sticky situation, an SOS, 
is the need to search out Scripture. We've got to search out Scripture. So I get several, I've had a few calls over the how many ever years I've been doing this, and moms always want ways, W-A-Z-E. How do I handle this discipline? How do I handle this? And my heart has learned over the years that I always want to give them wisdom and then direction and ways, wisdom and ways. Um, And I really, because the wisdom, guys, is so important. And so to look at wisdom, I mean, why don't we go to Proverbs 2? If you have your Bibles, I would love for y'all, I meant to have Proverbs 2 put out on, on your sheets, but I really want to go through this with you and look at it. So Proverbs 2 um, let's see. Uh, Proverbs 2. My son, put your name in there, Millie. If you accept my words and store up or treasure my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, let's stop there. There's, that's, I call this the if and then verse. God is telling us what we need to do, the movement we need to take. If you accept, store up, turn your ear, applying your heart. I love when he says, uh, call for insight. I challenge young moms all the time. Let's just talk about what happened today. Tell me everything about your morning, about this. Once you take in the sights of what happened, it gives you insight. Okay, so you know what to cry out aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as silver, if I said there's a little thing about the size of a, uh, the back of an earring on the, on the floor and it's worth $10,000, a hidden treasure, you ladies would hit the floor and start searching. And, but we don't do that with Scripture. We don't do that with God's Word. When you're panning for gold or panning for silver or panning for hidden treasure, you look pretty intently. And so if you do all those things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just, and he protects the faithful one. These are all the moral benefits of wisdom, all of Proverbs 2. But then you go to Proverbs 3, Millie, do not forget my teaching and keep my commands. Where? In your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Guys, it's not enough just to have them up here. We've got to know Scripture so well that it's in our hearts. You know, this week has been a hard week for me, and I'm not going to really talk about it. Just a lot of um, sickness with my mother-in-law, and my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. But praise Jesus that I have had truth bubble up in my heart because it has been the fuel that has gotten me here this week. I mean, Mandy was, you know, texting going, hey, if you can't do it, and I go, no, I need to do it. I need to do it. So I'm just telling you, it's about the heart. And so the next thing um, we're going to talk about, I probably got a little off, so you can go ahead and change it. Sorry about that, guys. Got a little... Bear with me one second. Oh, because I've got a little bitty thing that's misplaced, but I know y'all are going to just bear with me. Um, anyway, so scripture is our script. Boy, I tell you, Gracie turned 20 this last week, and so we loaded up the car, Blaine, Sally, Grace, uh, Blaine, Sally, Blaney, and I all jumped in the car on Sunday and went up to uh, celebrate her. 
And that, I called her, texted a friend of hers and then called her her dearest friend. Um, and I said, hey, I want, could you bring a couple of girls around and let's, I'm going to bring a cake and cups and all this. And we want to celebrate Gracie just with some cake and ice cream. So I Venmoed her. And that morning I made a chocolate sheet cake on Saturday. They're always best if you make them the day before. And I, I, Ven, I, uh, I called her the morning of, and I just said, hey, Gabby, um, how many friends? I want to make sure I have enough forks and, and plates. And she said, oh, uh, well, I just invited our friend group, so it's 23 to 25. <laughs> I was like, holy smoke. So at seven, I was at Kroger getting more butter so I could make some more cake. But when we got over there, they all came out. And I, in my normal fashion that I always do, I said, hey, guys, can y'all tell us all the things you love about Chris? And guys, they said, faithful instruction, wise counsel, they didn't say, oh, she's pretty. Oh, she's nice. It was scripture. They didn't say the address. They didn't go through all that. But my husband, when we got in the car, he said, gosh, I wish I had taped that. These girls are doing the hard work. And they're 19, 18, 20. Guys, script should be, I mean, scripture should be our script. Let's not forget that. And it blessed us. So I love this verse, eat honey, Millie, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is sweet to the soul. If you find it, there is hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Guys, I love this picture because you know what? To get to the honey, you have to dig deep. Sometimes there are bees to sting you and it hurts, but you've got to dig deep. I had lunch with Kay Wyma. And she told me she, she, her new little catchphrase is, it's so good. Wisdom, girls, is so good. Don't forget that. Um, so we're going to prayerfully consider our posture and our preparedness. Um, we're going to read. I'm going to read to you um, Romans 7, 21 through 25. I want you to go back and get your Bibles, you know, when you get home. And I want you to really dig into this because... Girls, I see this. This is me in what we're fixing to talk about, the sheet on the back with the maiden form woman and the battle-dressed woman. There are two laws at work within each one of us, the law of good and the law of evil. It says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. Okay, remember, if we have truth in our heart, there's a law waging war with our minds. And it's making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So these are the two pictures that I have for maiden form. They, they were all like when we were going through the run through, they were like, we really don't know what a maiden form woman is. I said, well, that was an ad campaign. I'm sure Sharon knows that. That was an ad campaign when we were younger that literally girls would be, at, a woman would be at the symphony and they'd be all beautifully dressed and there'd be one woman in a maiden form bra and underwear. And I'm sure that guy would be putting if there were two girls skimpily clad, but that's beside the point. Um, so that's the maiden form woman. And then you look at the battle dressed. 
And this is something that messed with me a couple years ago. So I was at the thrift store and I love flags. And I've shared this in a mentor mom moment. I love flags, American, Texas, whatever. I am a red, white, and blue girl. And I walk by and there is hanging on the deal, this flag and camo. Well, what girl doesn't like camo? Come on. So I pulled, I, you know, stopped in my tracks. I pulled it up and I looked at it. And to my, unbeknownst to me, it said, hail, U.S. Army and hail. And so I thought, oh, geez. On, on the little tag was $5.45. So I thought, oh, I don't need that. I'm never going to wear that. Why would I get that? But it has my name on it. So guess who bought an extra large camo jacket? I went home and I washed it and I ironed it. And of course I ironed it. You know me. Um, But I put it in my daughter's closet. Of course she was going to wear it. I wouldn't wear this. But this jacket messed with me. So it just so happens a week later, I was going to Lufkin, a mom had called me and she, yeah, I'd gotten several calls that week, but it was always, I'm burdened, I'm weary. I just, I don't know what to do. I'm fatigued. And fatigued kind of caught my eye. I thought, fatigued, what does that even mean? So it's physically and emotionally exhausted. How many of you could raise your hands for physically and emotionally exhausted? So I thought to myself, gosh, and I was driving with my son and I thought, fatigued, fatigues. Why did God make those words so close together? So I had my son. I said, honey, would you look up the word army fatigues? He goes, what? I go, just look it up. Don't ask questions. So he looked at me and he goes, mom, it's battle dress. And I said, what? Battle dress. So guys, I just, my mind just started flooding with all the things God calls us to do and clothe ourselves with. And so when I was having, I was telling Kay Wyma about this and when I was having lunch with her, she goes, and I had already said that the maiden form woman is a warrior and the battle dress woman is a warrior. And Kate, Kay said, well, Millie, you know that's who we were called to be was warriors. I said, really? She said, yes, in Genesis 2.18, it says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. She said that word in the Bible, it's two times used for Eve. That helper means Aetzer, which is E-Z-E-R, which is a warrior. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So God created us not just to make coffee and put cream in it for our husbands. Yes, we are called to be submissive to our husbands. We we are called to be warriors alongside him, battling what the world has to offer. So I came up with this chart because I really see myself in both of these, um, in both of these women at times. So let's go with the effort. Okay, the effort for the the warrior very little. She's not worried about clothing herself with anything. She's a fly by the seat of her pants, you know, oh, just fly the wind. She's blown by the wind. The battle-dressed woman, guys, is Romans 13, 14. She's, she's yielded and intentional. She, um, she puts on, she's intentional about how she clothes herself. In Romans 13, 14, it says, rather, put on, put your, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Colossians 3.12, this is such a great verse because it says, therefore, anytime you see therefore in scripture, it means it's there for a reason. As God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Boy, in my Bible, anytime you see holy and dearly loved as God's chosen people, guys, that's a confirmation of how much He loves us. He wants something better for us. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What mom's day wouldn't look different if we didn't intentionally clothe ourselves? Um, she is, I don't have that on your handout, but it's one of my favorites. She is clothed with the strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. That's a woman that has put a lot of truth in her heart. And then Ephesians 6, I just want to read over. That is all about the full armor of God. And that is just the belt of truth. Well, what does a belt do? It holds everything together. Truth is what keeps us secure in our hearts and in our minds before it gets embedded in our hearts. The breastplate of righteousness, it protects and guards our heart. The shoes of peace and preparation, it allows us to stand firm and also to move freely. The shield of faith, it shields us from what all the world has to offer. And the helmet of salvation guards our mind, and that is Satan's biggest target. So next we're going to move to her view. Her view, guys, the maiden form woman is temporal. She is looking at the earth. She is looking at everything, what this earth has to offer. And the battle-dressed woman is eternal. Since you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, don't let the sin that so easily entangles and trap you. Um, we've got to really just trust in the Lord. We've got to keep, I heard in BSF one time, Susan Fuchs said, um, if, you, if, you're, if your eyes are on earth, you get earth. That's all you get. If your eyes are on heaven, you get earth thrown in. And so I think we need to remember that. But it says in some more of uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Guys, that joy that he's talking about set before him, your face, your picture is what held him to the cross. That was the joy he is talking about. He died on the cross for our sins. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary or lose heart or not grow weary and lose heart. So what is a, a, a woman marked by? Well, the maiden form woman is marked by comparison and envy and insecurity. I saw the other day on Facebook, somebody called it fake book. And that's really kind of a good way to look at it. The battle-dressed woman, guys, is confident. Um, you know, one thing, one thing I didn't say in the beginning, and I really do want to go back and say this because this speaks a lot about that. When you're talking about posture and preparedness, and so forgive me for not bringing this up because I think it's important. I can usually tell by the way women walk in a room, how they feel, how their day's going. Because posture, when I'm working with parents that are, I'm helping them discipline their children and kind of get back on a disciplined track, I always look at the posture. I always take note of their posture. And most often, guys, it's not easy to tell a woman that walks in kind of, oh, I've had the worst morning. I just, things didn't go right. My kids didn't sleep last night, this and this and this. Posture is our attitude. It's how we feel about ourselves and about our world and about the Lord. Um, preparedness, y'all are the queens of preparedness, okay? 
every woman, I bet you put a lot of effort into your diaper bag this morning. Do I have enough diapers? Do I have a bottle? Do I have the pacifiers? Do I have this? But did you prepare your heart? Did you grab your Bible? That was one of the biggest blessings I look back on in my whole life. And it's that I was in BSF when my kids were little. And guys, I always got to my post waiting outside at 2.30. And school got out at 3.15. I did my Bible study for at least 45 minutes. The only regret I have is I didn't get there at 2.15. I didn't carve out more time that I could have sat and just dwelled and just meditated on truth. I needed it. I had a lot of things that came down the pike just with my kids at that time. And so preparedness, so posture and preparedness in sticky situations, as we're talking about being marked by, we've got to really, it's confidence, it's security, it's joy and peace. Ephesians 5, 8 says, for you were once in darkness, but now you're in the light. Come on, ladies, let's live as children of the light. Um, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Guys, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's uh, Psalm 34, 8. Um, When you get those little glimpses and you taste and see, and that one's not up there, but it's just a good one to remember. I love Isaiah 55, 11 through 12. It so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me void or not empty. So when you use God's word, it does not return empty to you. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Who doesn't want to go out in joy and be led forth in peace? Um, Romans 15, 13, this is, Sally declared this is her favorite verse when she was about four. And it's so her. I mean, if you've ever, I don't know anybody, if you know Sally, and some of you do, um, and have had the privilege to know her, She's always said a happy heart makes the, the, her face, makes the face cheerful. And guys, Sally is the most joyful person that I've ever met. And so I just tell you, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. So again, um, Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, um, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. You can feast on that, Lord, with what you, I mean, girls, with what you put in your heart. Okay, so a maiden form woman, how does she live life? She lives life by the outside in. She's really looking at what kind of purse. Oh, I want this purse. I want these shoes. I want this, this. This is going to really work for me. I really want this. I, I am so out of style, and I never realize that until I go to North Park. I mean, literally. Um, and, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of style. But I would tell you, a maiden form lives life from the inside out. And it, and it says, I've hidden your word in my heart, O Lord, that I may not sin against you. And that's Psalm 119.11. And I would just tell you when, you, when you're thinking about that, guys, it's not bad to have a designer purse and designer shoes and all those kind of things. But if that's what is most about you, those are accessories. They, they shouldn't change the way you feel about yourself. The way you feel about yourself needs to come from within. And we all have you know, those little battles within that think, oh, I really want this purse or I really want that. And just check yourself because you probably maybe slipped over more into the maiden form woman than you have into the battle dress. Because I will tell you, when I think about people that I love to be around, it's people that love the Lord. It is people that love the Lord. So the next one is her footing. Um, and the battle dress woman or the maiden form woman, her footing is uh, usually slippery. 
It's marked by a lot of fatigued, weary, and burdened. And guys, if you are fatigued, weary, and burdened, that does not mean that you're the maiden form woman. It just means when you're fatigued, weary, and burdened, and you have no hope, then a lot of times what happens with that, it shifts into uh, being more inconvenienced and hassled. And that's not of the Lord. That's not a battle-dressed woman. A battle-dressed woman is steady. She's rooted and grounded in truth. And so I love Colossians 2, 7. It just says, let your roots grow down deep into him and your lives be built on him. Guys, that's the foundation. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. In Ephesians 6, 15, it says, and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's just talking about the, uh, the armor of God God even thought about your feet and how they need to. And if you really look at um, the shoes that they talk about for the warriors, they, they had long spikes that really gave them steadiness in the world. And then 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, again, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so uh, one, the next one is her defense. The maiden form woman is the phone. A lot is the phone. Um, and I love Proverbs 16, 27. And a lot of times, guys, we shift off into isolation. We really don't want to be confronted by anybody or anything. Um, when uh, Adam Tarno spoke uh, a while back, he was talking about idols, I-D-O-L. And I kept thinking of the truth, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Guys, if this is you today, when your one-year-old gets to be a teenager and he's always on his phone and you say, hey, honey, you need to put your phone away. But mom, you're always on your phone. Oh, I, I'm always on a Bible app. You know, they're not going to believe that. That's that. You know, we need to be carrying around our Bibles. We need to have, that's my one push always is that you would carry your Bible always with you wherever you go. That will serve you a lot better than making sure your diaper bag has Cheerios and diapers and all that. So just idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. Okay, so then the next, so we're going to talk about the battle dress. Her defenses are sword. God, you know, guys, the sword is the S-W-O-R-D. It's the word of God. And I will tell you, if you, you know, one of the guys in our, one of the children in our community group, he is um, at West Point. And he is, you know, we've talked a lot about battles and about training and about the rigid, the rigid training that they go through. And so it's so neat because every trained soldier doesn't let his weapon get far from him. But yet we forget our Bibles everywhere. And guys, if we don't have a lot of truth in our heart, that's where we want it to be. And so I would just encourage you continually, pray continuously. I have a friend in our community group that's going through a really tough time right now. And she said, you know, Millie, she, we were walking and she said, you know, Millie, she said, I feel like I don't ever say dear heavenly father and I never say amen. It's just like one prayer all day long. And you know what? That's what God wants of us. He wants us to just pray all day long. Just devote yourself to, selves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Guys, gratitude will mark your lives. So communing with God is so important. Her home, um, the maiden form woman, uh, some, it's chaotic, guys. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the battle dress woman, her home isn't busy. All of our homes are busy, 
But a, a home that is intentional and yielded has a, a rhythm and a hum to it. And it's a good one. It's busy. But I will tell you, with um, uh, the two verses I picked were, of course, Romans, I mean, uh, Proverbs 14, 1, the wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, when she's the maiden form woman, she can tear it down just as intentionally as she can build it up. Uh, Proverbs 24, 3, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Guys, this is our foundation, is our home. Um, There's one thing I would say, I never have to tell a young mom to get busy, but I do have to remind you to get busy with what matters. Okay, do y'all hear that? I think that's really important. I never have to say, come on mamas, get busy, because you're already busy but I do have to remind you, get busy with what matters. I walked with a friend, and we're going to talk about her strength right now. Um, and I walked with a friend, and so she said, she said, let's pray before we go in the house. She was going to cook breakfast for me on my birthday. And so we're sitting there praying, and I look up, and there's a sign in her front yard, and it says Reliant. It says security provided by Reliant. And so I went home, and I looked up the word Reliant, and it says dependent on someone or something. Guys, this week, I've needed to be reliant on the Lord. I needed that reminder. I could wear that sign instead of the battle dress. Uh, Reliant, security provided by reliant. We need to be reliant on the Lord. The the maiden form woman is the one that bolts out every morning and says, I'm going to do better today. And then by 8.15, she's in a heap. Guys, we can't do it. Let's just admit now, we can't do it. We need the strength of the Lord. 2 Corinthians um, 12, 9 and 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore reason, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, he is strong. And JP said years ago, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. And the last thing we're going to talk about is fruit. The maiden form woman, barren or temporary, there's no lasting fruit. There's no dessert for the desert, which is what I like to say. When I collect things this week, when my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, I got out a whole packet that I have on him to recount all the things God's done for my dad. And it was my dessert for the desert as I went and spent the weekend with him last weekend. And so, um, anyway, so the battle-dressed woman, guys, she has abundant and tasty fruit. Do not grow weary in doing good, girls, for at the proper time, in due time, you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up. Um, I love that picture, the fruit and the tasty fruit that you can see on top. I saw Laura Elmore this morning and I was telling her something. I told her my girls were coming and she said, oh my gosh, you're going to enjoy a fruit salad this morning. And she's right. I am. So I look at this and guys, this list, I want you to know, this is my, this is me. The maiden form woman This was me the last two years when I've had to take something back to North Park after Christmas. I went in, Gracie was with me, I had to go to the Swatch Watch, 
place. I didn't have a receipt. I don't remember what I was expecting them to do for me, but they were, they were very nice, but said, no, we can't take that watch back. And I guess I was very rude. Or I, let me say I was rude. And so we get halfway down the mall and my sweet Gracie says, mom, you were so rude. And so she was right. And I turned back around and went and asked for forgiveness. Well, I'm going to quit taking, taking her shopping. I went back the next year to return a sweater at Free People. I had the bag. It had the tags. All I wanted to do was exchange it. It had their tags, their bag, their sweater. It was still in the store. And Gracie just wanted to exchange it. And the lady said, oh, I'm sorry. We can't do anything for you without a receipt. I was rude. I left. We barely got out of the store, so I didn't have to get that much more exercise to walk back. And Gracie said, Mom, you were so rude. And I went back and apologized. Guys, I'm not free. My goal is I want to be, I want to wear this jacket every day. So if y'all see me wearing it, just remind me. It comes with power, I'm sure. But I want to move this line. I want to move it all the way over. But we're never going to be free of the maiden form woman. It's always going to be there. A friend of mine always says, oh, I have to drown out the old Adam today. We're constantly drowning out the old Adam. And here is for the visual learner. I want to be that person. I know I'm not going to rid myself of the maiden form woman, but I want to shove her so far down because I'm not going to be able to be who Christ called me to be unless I continually put God's word in my heart. So we're going to take a few minutes. There's going to be some questions on the screen. And so y'all talk amongst yourself. So what we've talked about thus far, um, we're going to recap just the, just prayerfully considering pausing, you know, not bulldozing through, considering God's word and his promises of truth, and then your posture and your preparedness, all linking back to when we're faced with sticky situations. The time to prepare, it's kind of like a pop quiz. The time to prepare for a pop quiz is not when you're at the test. The time to prepare is before, because I'm going to assure you again, you're going to have a sticky situation. Somebody probably had one this morning, and somebody's probably going to have one on their way home from today. It could be, you know, with your kids struggling. It could be, you know, who knows what. So now we're going to talk about perspective. And immediately when you think about the word perspective, you think about a mindset. What's your mindset? But I'm going to talk about your heart set. So it was interesting the other day I was, um, when my kids were little, I talk about that a lot because I reflect back on that. And when my kids were little, I always, when I was in a tough spot, I loved to sing. I don't have a good voice, but I love to sing. And all my kids, I used to make up songs about them and they still know those songs. And for some reason they liked me to sing them, but I would just sing to myself, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And the reason I say that, when I was walking out from the nest in Plano last week, a lady stopped me and she said, oh, I'm praying for you and your dad. And I found myself walking to the car and I was singing that song. That is my heart set. And I knew I needed to turn my eyes upon Jesus. Well, it just so happens I was thumbing through Lauren Daigle. Who doesn't, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing her last name right, but who doesn't love her? She had Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So you, I, I quickly went to Apple Music and downloaded that song. 
And guys, what I noticed was I didn't know the verses. I only knew the chorus. And so when I got home from, from being out there, I looked and I said, what is a chorus? What is that? And so I looked and it says the chorus of a song is the main message. And it's the most memorable part of a song. It's catchy, it's repetitious, and it's a chance to get your big idea around. It's your heart song. And so I had lunch with Gabby and Gracie. Gracie had called. I was in Houston with my dad. And Gracie said, Mom, what time are you going back? I said, oh, probably about nine. She goes, oh, I was, Gabby and I were thinking maybe you could come have lunch with us. That's via College Station. So I said, great, what time is lunch? So I went and I was sharing this idea with them. And the next morning, I wake up with a text from Gabby, Gracie's dearest friend and like my third daughter. And uh, she said on her journal, it said, what is my chorus? What is my chorus? What is your chorus? I challenge y'all to write one. A couple of weeks ago, I was thumbing through some papers, cleaning out something, and I came across this letter. My son, if you look at that, he thought he was going to play golf at Oklahoma State. That began a 14-year dream of his. You can see everything. When I uh, would sharpen, when I would put sharp pencils or map colors on the, the kitchen table because I knew we were going to have to come home and do homework, I would always make sure the orange and black uh, map color was really sharp because he was going to, if there was a border or anything, we've got stuff hanging all in our garage and it's always orange and black. And he wanted to play golf at Oklahoma State. So it was like the Lord, we, he got to his junior year, Oklahoma State, he submitted something, they contacted him, they let us come for an unofficial visit, and then lo and behold, Coach Goots, the assistant coach, was going to come and watch him in a golf tournament. So my posture is like, oh my gosh, this was so easy. You know, we didn't chase that dream, we didn't let Blaine travel all over the country and play golf, we kind of kept it. You know, I used to tell him, if the Lord has that written, it's written in Sharpie. We're not going to chase that dream. But lo and behold, here we go. It was happening. So he and the Coach Goots played phone tag a little bit. And then he and his dad were going down to College Station. And Coach Cole, Andrea Cole's husband, who was Blaine's high school coach, he texted me and said, did you hear about Blaine? I said, what? He said, Coach Goots finally got a hold of him and they offered him a walk-on. Well, guys, a walk-on? Who wants to be a walk-on? So I sat down and I knew I hadn't contacted Blaine. They hadn't contacted me, but I wrote him this, this letter. Dear Bear, you have been on my heart this past few days. And then to get a t text from Coach Cole regarding your conversation with Coach Goots and the walk-on spot, I must say my heart has ached for you. I know you're probably going through a myriad of emotions. I should have, I could have. My heart felt confused as well. But as I've prayed about this, it seems the Lord continually reminds me, all caps, trust just trust. I know the plans I have for Bear. You all have prayed about this continually and now you have to trust. I have the big picture and you have what you perceive and that is just a snapshot. I know it's not what you dreamed about, but so many things could happen between now and then. We need to continue to pray, keeping our eyes on the Lord. He has blessed you with a gift and you have made him proud by your hard work and your choices thus far. Your job is to honor him, give him your best and trust his plan. I know his faithfulness and he will continue to show favor on you. Considering OSU being second in the nation and being one of 10 to 11 golfers to even be considered is an honor. See it for what it is and not as a negative, glass half full. 
You have a lot of opportunities this summer to shine, and one strong tournament could unveil more of his script. Above everything else, you are a godly young man with a wonderful heart, and I'm so proud to call you my son. Knowing that I'm praying for you and will know that I'm praying for you and will continue, I look forward to sitting down with you and dad and regrouping as a family. Keep your chin up and your eyes on him. I love you to the moon, mom. So guys, recently he was going to China. And when I found this letter, um, of course, China got canceled. And when I found this letter, I really could just redate it. This was my heart song. This was the letter that I could have, this was my chorus. So what chorus are you writing with your kids? What is it that you are saying to them and encouraging them that they could hear year after year? Um, Because guys, in a good song, the structure of a song goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. And so a verse, the verses all change, but a well-written chorus stays the same and only grows deeper. So then I would ask you, do you see these obstacles, do you see these sticky situations and your perspective as obstacles or opportunities? This little picture of Blaine, he was diagnosed with dyslexia about this time. And I'm going to tell you, I was the maiden form woman for probably two or three weeks. I didn't want him to come home from school. It was too much work. And I I kept reeling in my mind, how can I fix him? I mean, something's wrong with him. How can I fix him? I didn't see it as an opportunity. But thank the good Lord, I sat there and I thought, I was sitting in my spot 45 minutes before I was going to pick him up. And the Lord so spoke to me. And he said, Millie, you are a part of his team. You've got to be a part of, you know, the solution, not the problem. And so when he got in with his normal, I put my little 103 sticker in the deal and I pulled up and he got in and again, it was tears. Mom, I've got so much homework. I've got so much to do. And I looked at him and I said, peanut butter. And he was like, what? And I go, peanut butter. And I took his hand and I went, jelly. I said, we go together. When we get home, I'm in charge of popcorn. You're in charge of drinks. I've already cleared off the table. There's sharp pencils. We're going to do 45 minutes of math and then we're going to go outside. Guys, that ended up being the best, best gift. And I will tell you, when I look at this picture and I see him when he won the national championship and I'm sitting at home because surely they weren't going to win and he's running down the fairway (laughs) and he's celebrating. That was a celebration for what God gave me. At Christmas this year, we were sitting around and he came home in June And we had a few rough patches of just disrespect over college, and we'd have to hit it head on. And um, in fact, I mean, if I'm going to be super honest, I mean, at at Thanksgiving the year before, a guy from College Golf Fellowship that's really close to us, he told me, he said, you know, Millie, this is the second time Blaine's been disrespectful to you. You need to uninvite him for Christmas. And I said, what? I'm not going to uninvite him for Christmas. But guys, I prayed about it, and that's what the Lord said. So I called him, and I said, hey, when are you coming home for Christmas? And he said, oh, I'll be home on Tuesday. And I said, well, honey, I said, I'm just going to tell you. I said, what happened at Thanksgiving can't happen at Christmas. It's not fair to Sally and Blaine. It's not fair to us as a family. And he was like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I said, so when you get home, if that happens again, you're going to be asked to leave. And it was such a wonderful Christmas. He came home, and he was like a new person. It was like the Lord had tweaked his heart. Um, 
And so we go through and he comes home in, in June and I'm telling you, he has been such a gift. So at Christmas, I said to, we had 11 people around the table and I said, okay, let's go around and say the thing you're most thankful for in 2019. And I had no idea what I was going to say, but it came to me and he was sitting two, two, what, two seats over from me. And I said, I think I'm most, most thankful for Blaine and his heart for the Lord. I mean, he's going to the porch, he's reading his Bible. I look over the other day, we're at church together, just he and I, and he's over there and he's got his journal open and his Bible open and he's writing with a golf pencil. I discreetly got my purse and got my phone and I took a picture. I go, that is so the Lord, so sweet, a golf pencil. I mean, it's a little bitty. Anyways, I I thought that is just such a reminder from the Lord and it was such a gift. But when it got to him, guys, he looked over at me and he said, I'm most thankful for my relationship with my mom. Guys, when you get those diagnoses, you know, I always say, you know, have your kids, you know, in relationships, you fight for them, not against them when you're talking about sibling. But guys, when it's your kids, fight with them. When Gracie was diagnosed with OCD, you know, I could have dropped her off at the therapist. Isn't that what you do? I said, no, can I sit with her? We laugh every time we got to the therapist, we'd look at that couch and we'd go nap time. I don't know why it makes you so tired when you're sitting in there, but we would process through and I was part of her team and she knew that she could trust me, that I was gonna cheer her on and pray for her. And so I'm thankful for those times. I'm thankful for the hard times. Those sticky situations sometimes are what is the best thing and the biggest gifts. So don't be afraid of them. Uh, The next thing I'm going to talk about is just the process. I was just going to read with you guys. This is a a note from a mom two weeks ago. And I know her. She's got four-year-old twins and she just had a new baby. Um, I've spent a little bit of time with them, not tons. But she sent me this text. This parenting thing is hard. I feel like we are in a pit, like I've been treading water for a couple of months and I'm struggling to keep my head above water. I've talked to my community and it seems like all of us are in the same boat. Cold and flu season, winter and uncharted territories with the kiddos. I feel like I can relate to the disciples when they were in stormy waters and Jesus is asleep in the boat. I know I have faith in him. I know he is so in control. I know he is good, but there's just a disconnect somewhere. There must be something that I'm missing because I can feel myself being tossed by the waters and not at peace with Jesus in the boat. Could any of y'all have written this? I noted several things about her text. Illness, I knew sleep deprivation because she had a new baby. She communicated her situation about she'd expressed it to community, but it sounded like they too were all in the same boat. I noted in her text that several times she said, I know God is in control. I know he is good. Guys, it's good to know, but until we believe that he can do something about it, in 1 John 4, 16, it says, I have come to know and believe in the love Christ has for me. So I'm always committed when a mom sends me a text like that to give her a call because I really, I've read this and I kind of get a picture, but I want to hear it from her. So the moment I connected, and, and I wanted to hear her posture. I can even tell your posture even on the phone. And she sounded extremely overwhelmed, and at times she was crying. She seemed very defeated. She admitted being frustrated with the kids and short-tempered at times. And she said things like, I can't do this. Why did God even give me twins? They're so different. Putting together all the pieces in the puzzle, we act like God just has this wood board puzzle, and it's like one, two. It's nothing like that, guys. 
It's a big tapestry. It's a beautiful puzzle. And he's working out every detail for our good and his glory. So I, I told her, I said, I, I hear you, and I hear you saying you can't. And the reality is, I want to confirm that for you. You can't, but he can. I assured her that she, there was no such thing as a perfect parent, and that God had picked her, and that he called to her to the job of parenting to be faithful, to sow seeds, and to be diligent. So for the wisdom, because of her frustration, I landed on Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That kind of spoke to two things, her frustration, but then reminding her that the Lord was near. So then, this, here came the aha moment. I said, I want you to start every day with this prayer in Philippians 4, 5. And she said, oh, I haven't been praying. I said, okay, well, that's a good place to start. That kind of told me what, where the disconnect was or part of the disconnect. So I read to her this habit of prayer. I read to her the same thing I read to y'all. And then I said, I want you to pray it in. And at the beginning of every day, when you feel like things are out of control during the day, I want you to go pray this. And I said, oh, and a side note, everything is out of our control. Just trying to let you know. But I assured her that I would be praying too. And I kept texting her the next day and just little bitty things here and there. If I see something in the Bible that speaks to something I've been working with a mom, I'll screenshot my Bible and send her the picture. So next thing I had to address the twins. And I said, ask her to tell me, tell me about, the about your girls. Oh, immediately she went to the negative. Oh my gosh, one is so lazy. She doesn't follow instructions and she is not affected by consequences. The other one, she listens and responds most often. I asked her to tell me all the wonderful things about each child. She rattled off lots of positive attributes. And then I asked her about, hey, I know this is kind of a crazy question, but are you able to have any one-on-one -on -one time? I know, is there any opportunity to do that? She said, oh, yes. I have one-on-one -on -one time. She goes, but the lazy one, she's a homebody. She prefers to stay home with her dad. Um, whoopsie, where did my little papers go? As a result, she takes out the other daughter, and she leaves the daughter because of her request at home with the dad and the other baby. So you, can you see, guys, there's a natural disconnect with this child because she does, she's not making any deposits in her emotional tank. So we talked about that, and I said, and the other child was listening and responding, but she had a relational connection with her mom. So I asked her to reflect back on the list of all the great things about each child and to begin to plant the seeds with the distant child about an outing, expressing how excited she was. She had something special planned for them. Whisper in her ear when you tuck her in tonight, of all the little girls, how did I get so lucky to get you? I love these things about you. And as far as not listening, I thought this might be a good time to implement something that I think is a good idea, fast listening. It's something you say and something you do. I said, you teach your kids something you say and something you do. So you go in and say, guys, I need you to fast listen. Something you say, yes, ma'am. Something you do, I need you to go put you on your shoes. We're going to the store in a minute. And so then they're supposed to go really quick. Okay, so she loved that idea because it's quickly, willingly, cheerfully. Quickly tells the feet. Willingly tells the heart, cheerfully tells the face. And so widen the circle. I said, you know, one thing that's super important, husbands need to be lovingly brought in. I reminded her it's not a sign of weakness to communicate what you need. Our homes, ladies, are most often our domain. And we need to delegate the jobs that need to be accomplished. You and your husband are a team. But we need to enlist them, and we also need to enlist our children. We need to foster family. Also, your community group. 
Too often, guys, it becomes a me too movement. Somebody says, oh, my child's being so disobedient. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. But we're not offering SOS. We're not searching out the scriptures. I'm really appealing to you ladies, search out the scriptures. When you have a friend that says she's struggling with this, say, you know what? I'm going to go home. You sound like you're not in a place where you can search out the scriptures. I'm going to do that and find you something with truth that will encourage you. Also, you have all these mentor moms. It's not just Elizabeth and Holly and I. It's Mandy and Amy and Sunday. I mean, I could rattle off Lindsay. Everybody here that's on leadership has been hanging around this place a long time. And we want to, to pour into you. I have faithfully been praying for this mom. And I've, I've followed up several times. She sounds so much better. She said one of the things that resonated the most with her was discussing posture. She said, you would not believe how aware I am now when I go into discipline about my posture. Just standing a little taller, believing in what you're delivering, just believing in it. And so she said, and she said, not only has it been speaking to me, but it's resonated with my husband, which told me she's communicating things with her husband. So uh, she said she has been praying regularly and she even keeps her Bible open and she walked to Philippians 4. And she said, every time I walk by, she said, and the Lord is giving me a lot of times to apply it. But guys, if we don't address these situations, they get stickier and stickier and stickier and they compound over and over. And I don't know how it's going to end, but I will tell you one thing. I'm committed to her because she reached out to me and because I want to help her. I want to pray for her. But I'm mostly committed to her because I've seen how it played out in my own life and how it worked for me. And I also am tasting the fruit of another mom that reached out to me in 2018 for a very short stint, just for through text. And then in September of 2019, she reached back out to me with a battle cry. And it was again, her four-year-old, who was now five. So I agreed. I said, well, are you going to be at the nest tomorrow in Plano? She said, no, I'm not going to be able to go. And I really, is there any way you can talk to my husband? And I said, hey, I'm going to the nest in Plano. You live in Plano. I can be there at 8.15 tomorrow. So I showed up. And so her sticky situation was um, she had gotten a lot of phone calls from the teacher and notes home. He was, I mean, she, she really, she said, I don't even want him to come home. I'm so happy when he goes to school. But she said, then I'm so fearful because I'm like, what if he gets kicked out? And I was like, what if? What if he gets kicked out? That might be God's answer that he doesn't want him in that school. So what if? So, I mean, she went down. I said, quit riding the bus of fear. Good night. You're driving it, not only riding in it. <laughs> and so she was in a super bad spot. So her husband got called into work. He wasn't there with me. And so she just, I started encouraging though. She said her, her son was lying. So we kind of came up with a plan. I don't, couldn't think of another book. So I said, okay, today while he's at school, I want you to go get The Boy Who Cried Wolf. That's the only book I could think about about lying. I said, that'll just open up the conversation. So she said, okay. I mean, she was taking notes. And then we talked about how, you know, this was not a hobby. Parenting is a job. It's a hard job. It's an exhausting job. It's, but guys, when you move over into the lane of inconvenience and hassled, you're not in the lane of parenting. It's a tough gig, but this is a job you were called to by a faithful God who knows your children and knows who they need to lead them. Our job is to teach and train. I said, go to Deuteronomy 6 and look at all the things when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. These are things we've got to do like Paul David Tripp says. It's the many, many moments 
the many, M-A-N-Y, the many, M-I-N-I, moments throughout the day that we're teaching and training them about the Lord. So anyway, so she goes on, and I said, go by the grocery store and get ice cream sandwiches. She goes, for what? Just get them. Do you have any birthday candles? You'll need that too. And then I said, and then I want you to start thinking about a sticker chart of all the things you want to teach and train him. Oh, and when you're driving to school, you're going to pray with him. And while he's at school, you're going to pray for him. And then you're going to show up at the door when you pick him up, and I want you to tell the teacher that you uh, lying and disrespect is not is zero tolerance in our home and that you are planning on picking him up every single day until we get a better report and so in lies the thing she said that um she said i said i suggested a swinging by the store to get the ice cream sandwiches coming up with a sticker chart to visibly display on the refrigerator on behaviors you're working for and in a few weeks she began to see a little bitty slight change in his behavior he asked when they were reading one night, she said, he said, Mom, can I sit in your lap? She said, sure. So he sat in her lap. Then one day on the way home from school, he goes, Mom, are you proud of me? Another thing, it was good for the soul for the mom. The sticker chart was working, but then she called me one day and said, well, what if we have to do a sticker chart for the rest of his life? What if? What if? It'll be okay. And so then she started looking for ways. And so she could see ways that she could celebrate him. She got the ice cream sandwiches out. She put the candle in. They had a big celebration. They danced and sang. She asked me, so then he came home one day and he said, Mom, I don't like you walking me into school. It's so embarrassing to the other kids. I get a text. He doesn't like me walking him in. Should I? Yeah. Walk him in, in all caps. So she walked him in. She also received a note that he was being disrespectful during worship time. And she said, you know, I kind of get it because we dance around during worship music. And I said, understandable, never acceptable. It's disrespect, the teacher saying. Oh, yes, ma'am. I mean, she was like, yes, ma'am. She, she kind of nipped that in the bud. So in January, this happened in September, and we've walked together, September, October, November, January, you know, all the way through. January, she gets this note. Dear Mom and Dad, I just wanted to send you a little note to let you know what a blessing your son is. We are having great days together, and I'm just astounded at the huge successes he has had. He has come such a long way academically and behaviorally. I am so proud of how hard he has worked and that he is retaining the information. He is so curious, and he knows a lot about science and the world around him. He wants to be obedient and has a joyful heart. I just appreciate all the work you guys have done to help him understand first-time obedience, consequences when necessary, and doing extra academic practice at home. He blesses me each day, and I am grateful for the opportunity to teach him. This was a kid that was about to get kicked out of school. I said, I hope you, I said, people notice, I hope you put this on your refrigerator, and he deserves a ice cream sandwich tonight. So, guys, that is the process We've got to look at it and try to go back to God's Word and process it with other believers. The salty Christian. Guys, I'm so thankful for my mother-in-law. She's the one that, that uh, really ignited a fire in me for the Lord. And so if you'll put up that slide, she was my salty Christian. And I've sat at her feet for many a time. Salty Christians make others thirsty for Jesus. She made me thirsty for Jesus. She's in hospice now, so I don't know what's going on. I got a text this morning that her blood pressure is down, but I wouldn't be here today. This is her harvest. So salty Christians make others thirsty for Jesus. So I thank her, and I thank the Lord.
And then the last thing is just, thank you so much, that's for her. And so anyways, um, the last thing is just proceed with caution. Guys, I don't know, you know, we just don't wanna bulldoze through and mess things up. And so I would just tell you, proceed with caution, but proceed. You're gonna make mistakes and that's where forgiveness comes in. And if you do make a mistake, just go back to somebody and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? So proceed with caution. And I want to leave you with this verse because it's we're studying 2 Corinthians. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so I thank you, ladies. Y'all will have some table time. And thank you for your time this morning.